Welcome everyone to Screenfish Radio. I'm so glad you could join us for a special episode of our podcast. This week we will be recapping our adventures of TIFF 22 and I am thrilled to have our key team members who are on the ground and everywhere. We were all over the festival this year. Uh, Sheun Aloha Ake and Jason Tai. Uh, thank you. Thank you. First of all, thank you both so much for all your work and I am really excited about this. And Shay, did I say your name right? Just do it again. It's okay. I wasn't expecting perfect. <laughs> it's fine. I'm doing my best. Um, no, I'm I'm really thankful for you both. And um, we had a great festival. A lot of things to talk about. This year, what we wanted to do was have a bit of a recap. Things we learned at the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, before we get doing this, before we get started... I wanted to say a quick word of thanks uh, because one of the things I learned that I won't, that, I mean, we'll talk about this stuff too, but I was so amazed and so thankful for all the help we got from our, all the publicists, uh, from the organizations that, that helped us out, uh, from Tarot, PR, Elevation, uh, Cinematic Red, Mongrel, uh, Route 504, our friends at In the Seats. Uh, there's so many, so many organizations that really helped us out throughout this. So first of all, I'd like to say thank you to all of you um, for making this festival possible, giving us the opportunities we had, because it really was something special. But um, first of all, I mean, before we talk about what we learned, I'd love to hear about your experience. Shay, JT, how was your TIFF this year? It was good. It was my first ever well, first-ish ever TIFF. I went to one screening one time in like 2019. But other than that, my first full um experience with the festival. And I really like, I really had a lot of fun. Like my biggest thing was because I live in Scarborough, going down there every day. But other than that, I enjoyed like being downtown and being like on Festival Street, seeing the music and the movies and everything. It was, it was really interesting. Did you go to any of the concerts? No, I, I was waiting. I was waiting for you actually one time. So I just sat out when a guy was rehearsing. I don't remember his name even. He was really good. <laughs> but I just sat out and I was listening to his band play. And I was like, this is nice. Oh, right outside the That was when we met at the A&W. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's such a cool vibe. Isn't mm -hmm. it such a cool vibe? Like, there's just something so unique about it. Um, I, that's really neat. Um, Jason, what about you? Yeah, it was really good fun. Uh, I didn't even know there was concerts or anything, but um, yeah, it was really good. It was my first year, like, accredited and getting uh, a bunch of tickets and being oppressed. Uh, really exciting. They treat you really well, I think. And then uh, just going there uh, and then watching movies and being, like, in that energy is pretty good. It's a good vibe. And then especially after, I think it was my second showing, I, I decided... Uh, I was gonna like stay there for two nights uh, to watch like, like some midnight madness, and yeah, overall it's really really good. A lot of great movies this year too. Yeah, yeah, I I will say it makes a difference. I I stayed down for two nights as well. My gosh, it makes a difference. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's something I learned. I learned it was expensive to do, <laughs> but I was so glad I did it. If only for two nights. Um, because that travel is, uh, I mean, every day it's killer. It's killer. It is, it is, it is a grind. Mm -hmm. 
forget the films, but just being being down there for nine a.m. and then being there till eleven p.m. or whatever, uh, it, it it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I had a great year uh, this year. I I was looking at my list. Looks like my final total is twenty eight films um, for good. myself, yeah. and it's that's a lot of movies. <laughs> But most, I thought, actually, most of them I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting. I did a bit of a ranking system. Uh, I won't go through it all now because that's a whole lot of movies to rank. But um, it, it, I was looking through it and I thought, you know, there are very few that I thought I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. I think there was a lot of, I thought, and, and for their first year back, you know, being on the ground after, I mean, I guess they were on the ground last year, but it was still sort of a hybrid um because of covid and and whatnot and the year before it oh my goodness the first two years ago was so lonely <laughs> it was i remember saying to uh, alicia say we were sitting out in the back deck watching movies and i was like this is just like my normal life <laughs> it's like this is not a festival yeah um but it was so wonderful to be to be with people again mm-hmm. Um, before I hear from you, though, before I hear from you both, I can't wait to hear the things you learned at TIFF. We have some friends who sent us what they learned at TIFF as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them share their stories uh, right now. Hi there. I'm Jolie from Toronto Film Files. And what I learned this year at TIFF, TIFF 2022, was that it's okay to take breaks. It's okay to take things slow. And it's okay to, if you don't see as many films as maybe you would have liked to or hoped to have seen. It's very easy to get caught up in the thrill of the festival, the bustling energy, and seeing everyone's reviews and first takes and articles, uh, you know, coming through your social media pipelines. Um, it, you know, certainly emboldens you to try to see as much as you can do as much as you can, um, which is amazing. But at the same time, don't forget to take some rest, um, take some time to yourself, go slow. It's totally okay if you don't see as many films as you thought. Um, just fully enjoy the festival and all that it has to offer. Well, if you didn't already figure out, this is probably a little bit of wish fulfillment, but uh, as we sit here on the uh, on the conclusion of the Toronto International Film Festival for this year of 2022, uh, well, our friends over at Screenfish obviously uh, asked, uh, what have we learned? And I mean, I think the first thing we've learned is just obviously, uh, don't get covid I got COVID halfway through and it sucks. So uh, still uh, mask up, get your vaccines, get your boosters. Uh, Stay safe, everybody, as always. But I think really at the end of the day, what we learned, especially over here in the seats, is just uh, the value of community and uh, sort of the importance that the film experience brings to that and uh, getting able to partake in that again, even if even if I did get sick. But uh, again, it's an important thing, and it's uh, one that uh, we tend to forget about these days. But I guess the value of community, and probably film community, as it were, and appreciating that, and getting back to the cinema and supporting, uh, supporting the arts and uh, all uh, sorts of cinema from all across the world, be it Canadian, be it independent, be it 
foreign or just be the mainstream stuff that we all love and enjoy but to get back out to the theaters and uh uh stay safe and but as always in case uh you need another source for uh for your film news or entertainment please visit us over at in seats in seats.ca for all the latest and greatest from the world of film television basically the moving image at large or you can subscribe to our podcast in the seats with where yours truly uh, sits down with a wide-ranging variety of industry professionals who pick their brain about current projects, state of the industry, and so very much more. And this is Dave Voigt, and I am signing out for now. I'm going to get back to uh, the beach. Looks like the surf the surf is kicking up, so uh, we'll see you later. Thank you so much to you all. I really appreciate you sending over those little clips. That was great. Um, and But I want to hear from our team as well, from our Screenfish team. What did you learn at TIFF this year? Shay, let's start with you. I have some really silly ones, so I'll just say those ones then. Not really silly, what kind of silly? Um, before TIFF started, we were all saying how crazy it is, and it was kind of crazy, because I, I think I was anticipating some, like, proper madness. But then I realized doing it, it wasn't actually as bad as I had imagined. Like, it was still, like, the beginning was a bit wonky, because... There was some stuff we couldn't plan out ahead because nobody really knew exactly what was going to be happening. But then actually doing it, you realize, oh, it's not like it's not the end of the world if I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, essentially. Um, so that was one thing I learned. And it was just like going with the flow and enjoying the moments as they were coming. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. It, it It's funny, like when we talk about it being like crazy, it's because everything's always moving. It's like, you know, it reminds me of, the, you know, those little puzzles that you're not quite clear what it is, but you slide the little piece around it. You know, the ones I'm talking about, it's like a square and you move the, it's like an empty space anyway. But it just reminds me of this, this, this puzzle where the pieces are called constantly sliding. Um, and, and the more into it you are, the more pieces are moving. <laughs> but, uh. But yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It, it, it's it, it's not that everything is happening all at once. It's just that things are, it, ta- it takes a while for things to settle, I guess. I didn't realize how big it was, like how big a deal it was that we got accredited. Um, I think what made it real, when, when I got that pass from you, and I was like, oh, I have my picture up and everything, and I got a lanyard. And then... Uh, the package came and we got to pick 20 movies and I'm like oh that's a, that's a lot of movies and I was like this is great and you know they treat you pretty well um I also learned uh something very different that I've never done in previous tests uh Midnight Madness is insane it, it's a whole different crowd I don't know if uh either of you did any of this year yeah you did one yeah oh yeah it's pretty insane yeah people are clapping and like booing and like jumping up and down and doing all this crazy stuff it's pretty good crowd i I think i definitely want to after learning what i know now uh do more midnight madnesses next year and i was also planning on doing just horror movies in general i think that would go well and something i definitely learned um and of course you know booking a place for the first weekend would be nice uh especially like seeing how big a difference it, it made staying there and then like that they block off the road too for tiff for only that like weekend very cool 
And I didn't know about the press and industry thing, so I'll definitely do that next year and maybe do some interviews. Yeah, just like a whole lot that in hindsight I would have done that I'll do next year. Did uh, Well, you had a good back half of the festival. Like I, I know that you were working in that the, the middle of the week, but like you made the most of that last last weekend. Um, now, I know you were staying down there, but I think you saw about six or seven films in those those two days. It was three uh, on Friday, three on Saturday, and then one on Sunday, and then one on Thursday. And two of those were Midnight Madness. Yeah. Oh. Eight movies in like three days. Yeah. How many Midnight Madness did you do, Shay? I did one. And my crowd wasn't even that crazy. I was kind of, I felt a bit sad about it. Like there was one beach ball I saw before the movie started and then it was gone. <laughs> and no one was really like, it felt like a regular cinema like crowd. Yeah. So yeah. I wish I had like a crazier crowd. But. Mine was uh, insane. The, the second one I did was crazy, crazier. Um, you know that Zendaya and Anne Hathaway commercial? Then <laughs> <laughs> we saw all week. There was yeah. like, my crowd was pissed when they saw that. <laughs> they were like, oh, great, again. And then they like ironically started clapping. And then they did boo, like they were booing. But it was like, not the boo, like boo. It was like an angry boo, like it hit lost. <laughs> like, like they're mad at it or something. Like it was crazy. And then, uh, yeah, there was like a lot of jokes in the crowd too. But definitely a very different vibe from like a normal day show. You, see, y'all are so young. <laughs> I was like, I, I, uh, the only Midnight Madness movie I saw was the Weird Al movie, and I went at noon the next day. I, <laughs> I said, I, I've been to Midnight Madness before, and it was awesome. Uh, but I'm like, I, I don't want to get out of a movie at 2.30 in the morning. Now, see, I, I would have had to drive home on the times of uh, the movie I wanted to see. JT, you were downtown. That makes a difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, like if I if I if that was one of the nights that I was staying over, I might have pulled it off because I would have been like uh, five minutes from my from where I was staying, not an hour's drive away. But uh, no, Midnight Madness is fun, um, mm -hmm. and uh, the, I I almost almost considered going to the Weird Al one at midnight, and apparently they had. Uh, men in Hawaiian shirts doing choreographed dancing out on the street. And like, oh, it was apparently the atmosphere was just nuts. I was watching some videos on it. And I'm like, oh, man, that I, I would have loved that. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, one of the things I learned was that Bulgari should not be making ads with Sendai. <laughs> Why do people hate that ad so much? I don't understand. You know <laughs> what? Because it was too much. I think it's just, well, you see it every every show, you see it. But then it's like also like two really rich people and there's a very rich company that's very expensive. So it's like, no one can, very little people that can afford it are watching this movie. And then it's like, it feels like a bunch of rich people made it and like, oh, the poor people will love this movie or this little commercial. I, okay. I have to say every year there's an ad for something like that. Every year. I've seen ads for Maybelline. I've seen that, you know, I've, like 
every year there's an ad that just sort of happens and you're like, okay, they're a sponsor. This is fine. I haven't seen a response to it like I have this year where by the end people were just like, I, well, every screening I went to in the la back half of the festival, like w people were clapping and it was like, <laughs> but it like Jason was saying, it was like ironic, like, bah, 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 bah. this is so great. Yeah. I love it was so it. much fun. <laughs> but see, and that, it was funny because I came out of it. I'm like, that was either horrible or brilliant because the ad is so ridiculous and Zendaya has to do her, she does a little a little J-Lo dance and then Anne Hathaway puts on a bracelet and you're like oh I'm wearing a snake and there's a peacock and then the ad is so utterly ridiculous though but everybody talked about it all week <laughs> I, I saw what I, I sent you guys the tweet uh, somebody sent out, we had saw some really great performances by duos and it had like Glass Onion had this movie and it had the Bulgarian. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw a guy today on Twitter said, went to a press screening and there wasn't a Bulgarian ad in sight. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange thing I learned, but I got to admit that the, the, and I can't get the song out of my head and it's driving me crazy. Um, but that, I, I, I learned that. I learned that. Um, I feel like I was just fine. Like when you said you couldn't get the song out of your head yesterday, I was like, what song? <laughs> Cause I didn't even remember there was a song in the eye. Cause I was just fine. Girl. Like, oh my gosh. Anne Hathaway and Zendaya. <laughs> like every time they came on screen. <laughs> I was like, this is a Genovia. <laughs> and they like look at each other and it's like <laughs> the strangest look. They go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what is What's happening? What a film by Paolo Sorrentino. It's like, should he be proud of this? Like, I don't know. But what else did you learn, Shay? Oh, what else did I learn? Oh, I learned that that people will stand outside when they see a crowd, even though they don't know why the crowd is there. That's true. It's true. Like you don't know who you're waiting for for this. But I guess it's like on the off chance that you see someone you really care about and you just, and you just wait. And then they stand for hours just waiting. Like when I was in line for our midnight minus screening, I think a film had just finished the one with Anya Taylor joy, um, the menu. Oh, and we were was, waiting yeah, for like our movie to start. And there was like huge crowd just waiting outside. And we were like, I, I was like, I'm sure you have no idea what film this is going to be now. And they were just standing there just, and it was almost midnight, just like waiting if they see it and everything. Yeah, well, that's one of the things I know Jason can speak to this. One of the things about going to TIFF is you really never know who you're going to see unless you, uh, okay, the casual person has no idea. Like the person, like if people that know, they know. But like if you're just sort of walking downtown and, and there's a crowd, people go, oh, and they pull out their camera. Um, I, I, got a, I got a funny story for you both uh, as well. So I was on my way into an interview and there was a crowd outside this is the interview was at a restaurant and there was a red carpet so clearly there were people that were were going in there and the interview i had were was with some it was the cast of muru and 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 that and that's great but i'm like they're probably not waiting for them plus those people are not coming out i'm going in to see them so i walked up to the crowd and there were these three women there and i said you know what 
who, who are you waiting for? And they're like, oh, well, I forget who. I think Fred Armisen was in there or something. Oh, really? Okay. Very cool. And then I quietly turned around. I didn't have my press badge on. I quietly turned around and tried to go through the door and the door was locked. So I said to one of the people, I'm like, I'm here for an interview. And he says, oh, come with me. So he walks me right up the center of the red carpet. <laughs> and these three women just go, and their jaws drop. And they said, and I came back out. They go, you're sneaky. You knew who we were waiting for. I said, I had no idea. <laughs> I just knew who I was going to meet. And they're like, you, you were sneaky with us. And it was really funny. They thought like I'd pulled off this great prank. <laughs> I just wanted to know who they were waiting for. Oh, man. Um, Jason, what else did you learn? Hmm. Not much. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I was my first rush line uh, with the woman king and first rush line ever, and the only one I did the whole week. Was um, it your first rush line? The one you came to at the end. <laughs> the oh, one, yeah. the one that we waited to for two hours, <laughs> and you showed up when we were at the front of the line. <laughs> perfectly timed. It must have been really hard for you. <laughs> Kind of crazy. You got, you got to wait all that time, and then you might miss some of it. That is true. Right? That is that is very true. There, I have been very uh, there. Uh, I think it was La La Land. Uh, I waited for La La Land for literally three or four hours, and it, they stopped two people before me. Oh. Um, I remember. I remember that one because uh, Gosling was here, and so was was it Emma Stone? Emma Stone, yeah. So uh, I remember, I remember waiting out out next to the Princess of Wales because you never know if you're going to get in. You know what annoyed me about Woman King was that after we got our tickets and we went in, we had to do bag searches, and I had my camera. And so you got, you both went ahead and they held me because they had to ask if I could bring the camera in. So I was just standing there for a while, and eventually they're like, "Oh, it's fine, she can go." But then when I got to, I was going to follow you in. They were like, "No, we need to wait for the new badge." So you were like the end of the old badge. So I stood out for like another few minutes. And I was so upset because I was like, I'm, I'm literally here already. So I missed more of the movie than I, than I could have if I just went, which is okay. <laughs> I wondered what happened to you, actually. That was, I, I, I kept looking around, looking behind. I thought they sent you somewhere else. Like, no, they held but... me back for a few minutes and then they let me go. Okay. You, you know something else I learned? And this surprised me because this is unusual. I think it's unusual for the festival. Um, I learned that they want us to be able, like, they want us to be able, they, they gave us the chance. Maybe that's what they said. They gave us the chance to laugh. Um, that sounds so weird to say, because I've seen comedies before. I saw, there were a lot of comedies this year oh, yeah. at the film festival. Surprising amount. I Like, I was looking at, now I didn't see bros, but of my list alone, there were at least five. And I didn't know they were comedies when I saw them. Um, some of them, like I saw the end of sex and that was, that, that was definitely a comedy. And I knew the glass onion was a comedy, but there were others in there that I had no idea. And it just seemed like it was a thing. I don't know if that's related to the pandemic. Um, I wondered if maybe they were trying to help us blow off some steam or maybe it just as a massive coincidence, but it was something that I, there seemed to be a trend of comedies this year that I didn't realize 
was going to be a thing. Because mm. I mean, I mean, as you, you, I mean, you saw the films a lot. Oh, Blackening was another one. That movie was hilarious. Yeah, did you see it? Yeah, we went and saw it on uh, oh, we yes, saw the, we the Friday or Saturday, Saturday show. Uh, Friday show, and I thought it was great. It was really mm. funny. Um, but I mean, I, there's there's the film festival is always an uh, an opportunity to share stories, usually of hurt. I just was I just was surprised at how many upbeat films there were this year. Mm. In a lot of ways, um, I don't know if you guys saw a lot of those. I know we all saw Glass Onion. But I don't know if you saw any any others that you would consider comedies. Not really. I think Blackening was the only one I saw. That was Blackening. Yeah. Blackening was so good. It was really good. Oh, Weird Al was another one. Again, it's still shocking to me that Weird Al opened the Midnight Madness. Of all the films, it's not even that it was in it. It opened Midnight <laughs> Madness. Um, but uh, that is neither here nor there. Anything else you learned at the festival this year? I have, yeah. Um, yeah. Something I noticed, this is like going to be, no, two parts, is that like the festival is like glamorous or exclusive, but not really. Mm. In the sense that like sometimes, I think if I didn't live in Toronto and I was watching like red carpet interviews and saw pictures, it would look so like out of reach. But then being there, you're like, oh, these are just people <laughs> like they're just human beings but at the same time it's also a really big deal especially for i think like people who like film and the actors and the filmmakers um and i realized that it's a bigger deal for them than i think it is like i think to me sometimes i'm like oh yeah they just want to show off what they've done wear nice outfits and take pictures but then it seemed like the festival actually meant a lot to the people like the filmmakers that were there and the actors that were there and to me, it seemed like they like they made films about stories that they cared about and that they wanted the world to see. And so getting the chance to actually show it was something that was that meant a lot to them. And so that was something I noticed. And also the programmers, too, I wrote that down. Like the programmers choosing what films to show and they would talk about some of the films before the screenings. It's like these are films that were important to them. So it's not just like a glamorous Hollywood thing. It's like these stories matter to us. And so we want to show it to you, which was very interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, because, uh, well, I mean, we had our experience on the red carpet. <laughs> and, and I mean, we interviewed, uh, was it? Max. Uh, Max. And yeah. he's like, sure meant something to him. Now, mind you, he's 10 years old. It was his first time. But it was really, it was cool to see. He was just really excited to be there. and. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I mean, filmmakers are, are there and, and we forget the reason they made that film is because it matters to them. Nobody entered a film into that film festival because they didn't care about what they were doing. And one of the things I learned, um, and, and I guess I've seen this before, but man, I saw it this year, um, is that the church has done damage. <laughs> That's my next point, Steve. <laughs> That's yours too? Yeah. You noticed that too? Yeah. I went through my list. There were eight out of my 28 films that had some form of story that involved church trauma. Uh, for, for different communities. I mean, Bones of Crows is the ob is an obvious one. 
Um, but the whale had that. Um, young arsonists had that. There, there were a ton. It just kept coming up. And it, and I mean, I'm, I was watching that and I was like, wow, because I think being involved in the church, you know, we sort of look at things a certain way and we go, oh yeah, well, but, but you don't understand. But I, I, all these stories are coming from people outside saying, this is what you did to me. Mm -hmm. And man, that broke my heart, broke my heart. But you said you you heard the same thing. You felt the same thing, Shane. Yeah, I only saw two with, well, obviously, two, obviously. <laughs> I don't mean obviously, like, you didn't know to say. I mean, like, directly. Anyway, um, women talking and pray for our sinners, mm -hmm. um, with, which, like, pray for our sinners is a documentary. And women talking is fictional, but it's based on a real-life story. So it's basically, it's real as well. Um. So yeah, they were they were they were also directly dealing with um women talking not so much about church, but like it was the Mennonite community and these were things like things that I guess the church at that time in that place would teach them that would allow for like these forms of abuse to happen. Um and then pray for Arsenal was a direct like something from the church happening. Yeah, uh, uh, uh women talking by the way came in second. I don't know if you saw that. Oh um, the Fablemans took People's Choice. Women Talking came second. Glass Onion came third. Uh, which is amazing because Women Talking had a lot less screenings in smaller venues uh, than the other two films. So, um, And I know you said that you really liked that one. I loved it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, oh man. I mean, I, I saw lots of films about that involved residential schools or LGBT. Uh, I, I sat down with um, the uh, with Brendan Fraser and the writer of The Whale. And uh, he wrote the play that the film was based on and then he wrote the screenplay for the film. So I asked him a little bit because in that film, there's, there's without giving anything away, there's a missionary character. And I sort of asked him, I said, you know, what, you know, about that. And one of the things he said was, well, I grew up in the church and uh, because I was gay, they couldn't handle me they, and, and treated me like this. And it's just, you know, um, it, it breaks my heart, not because, not because I sit there and say, oh, that's an isolated incident, but it's happened. Like it's, it's a lot, there's a lot of different people <laughs> telling these stories. And I know that they're, this is what happened is happened. Um, mm -hmm. It's, that that was a big one for me. Yeah, it makes me think, I don't know, maybe it's a very lengthy discussion, but things like um, like power and the abuse of power and the idea of power in the church. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, I really, I do believe that there are many factors to it. I think it's the thing of like religion, but like race and gender overlapping to create like the ultimate power <laughs> and then that person then like abusing that power um because like women talking and pray for sinners was a lot about women's like women's issues and like children's issues but women and children were the vulnerable parties in this situation like, in these mm -hmm. two films um 
yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I was just thinking about like, why, why does that happen so much? Why does it happen, happen so like often? And what is the pathway out of that, I guess? I think there's, yeah, I don't know what the pathway out of it is. <laughs> I think there's any number of reasons. Um, but, and, and that is interesting too. You talk about that, you talk about race, you talk about gender and you talk about sexuality. And a lot of times it's pointed at white men. And I'm not saying unjustly, it's not like, this is, this is where, and I'm not saying all white men are, you know, well, I'm going to spiral off here. I don't mean to say anything like that, but I mean, when we look at the history of the church and power, you look at the most toxic voices, this is, seems to be it. And, um, but you know, what's funny is I was thinking about this as well, because we say like, it's the history of the church and it is, um, but Maybe because I'm like I'm Nigerian African, I, and I grew up in church in Nigeria, which like every church has its own issues. But coming out of that, and then looking at like church here, for example, when we say the history of the church, it's not necessarily the church; it's the Western church. That's and so that's also a quantifier for me because I know like there are other churches in other parts of the world that be like we've never done that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like um. So I don't know when we like slap God's name and stuff and be like, oh yeah, they did this the name. Like they might thought they were doing it for God, but it was actually just for them and for like their idea of what the world is supposed to be. Yep. Yep. That's a great observation. Great observation. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Man, I never thought of that being about the West, but you're absolutely right too, for sure. Um Anything else that we learned this year? I, I would actually like to explore what it means to come out of that, but I think that'll take us yeah. <laughs> far too long and I would keep us tight. Um, that'll be a conversation we can have on another day. But uh, anything else that you learned this year at the festival? Either of you? You have no idea what you're going to see sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You could yeah, like thinking about biosphere. <laughs> so you're talking about biosphere. And the happiest man on earth. And actually a lot of the movies, even Bones of Crows, I didn't really know what I was about to see. And then like you, you get like a little description on Tiff. And then when you actually see it, it's like totally different. And then a lot of the movies, I tried seeing if there was a trailer. Uh, and a lot of them don't have trailers. Like, like it's, you know, pre-release. Um, so it, it's exciting and then can be kind of crazy too. But that was really cool, I think, that I learned. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I uh, I, I remember having that conversation with, with Shay before the festival that you just honestly don't know what you're going to see. Um, I, I, I picked Bones of Crows. The statement for Bones of Crows massively undersells Bones of Crows. Bones of Crows is brilliant. It's wonderful. It is one of the most traumatic and difficult films I've, I've watched in many years. It's just really, really difficult to watch. Um, it was, uh, no, it was definitely my favorite movie out of the festival. And it had a, it had a lot to say, and especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, no, you're right. It definitely under was undersold 
like in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they did. And, the, and I think it just says it tells the story of a, one woman's life or, a, you know, from the 60s yeah. onward. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's that, that is, that is not doing it justice. Um, it's a powerful film. Um, but you just, you just truly never know. You never know what you're going to see. Um, I think that also kind of sucks because then that means like a lot of people just won't see it. Uh, mm. Cause I, I was like surprised that like the top picks were, was it like Glass Onion one second and stuff? I'm like, there was a lot of films that I would say would be more deserving of that spot. But then it is a people's choice, so that is subjective, I guess. But I do think if a lot of people saw like movies that were like like Bones of Crows that weren't as hyped and didn't have like you know A list cast, they would probably be pretty up there, I think, in terms of the you know, choice awards and whatnot. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, anything else, Shay? Yeah, my final thing on my list was, um, I don't know, probably all tips are like this, but um, there's a lot of like culturally diverse films at the festival. And some of the ones I saw and like listening to the programmer speak, um, it seemed like a lot of the filmmakers, I call it like reclaiming culture through film, are like coming out with films now that are, are um not just like for for their own people, but also trying to show the world kind of this is who we are, mm. which I talk about in my in my interview that I did. But yeah, so there were there were a few diverse films and people just kind of using film to to reclaim their culture and to showcase their culture to like be part of their audience. Absolutely, uh, is similar to that. One of the things that I I learned as well. You talk about diversity. Uh, indigenous stories I thought were very heavy this year as well. And, and I don't mean in tone. I just mean there were there were a lot of them, which is, is wonderful. Um, I, I love the fact that you were, you know, you know, we've talked about this a bunch, but I mean, you you meeting you're, and making friends with this Nigerian actor. Uh, I think that's awesome. It's so great. Um, because you're right. They, they want to tell, they have one of these videos in the front of their thing. They want to tell as many people's stories as possible. Um, and they, they, there are still people they, 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 that are missed, but they want, that's what Tiff's goal is. Like their, their tagline is changing the way you see the world through film, which is a fascinating tagline. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I respect that. I love that about it. I love that about it. Um, yeah, there was, sorry, when I saw Hunt and um, the director came out, Lee Jung-ji, someone asked a question to him and said, well, yeah, your country has been through so much and um, basically how do you see your country moving forward? And I don't know if they meant it to come off as almost condescending, but that's how it sounded a little bit when they said it. Um, and then he basically just replied that his answer was more of a thing of, oh, I'm just trying to show that just as like your country has issues, my country has issues and we're trying to fix them. So it was almost like he was he was leveling the playing field so it's not like you're looking at us, for example, as like the other, oh, look at them, they're so bad. It's more like we're sharing, we're all sharing our struggles and we're all trying to get through it. Which I thought was nice. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. That's amazing. Uh, my last thing I learned is that publicists deserve more credit. Um, shout out again to the publicists that, that helped us, but 
Um, I, I learned a lot this year from uh, the life of a publicist. I, so I got, had some chance to sit down and talk with a few and I, I understood, I learned how much, how much people like, and I say like us, but people in our position treat them like garbage to try and get their way. Um, they're, they're just like bark at them all the time. Yeah. They treat them like dirt. Um, I was sitting down with one and she was like, well, I'm booking flights for our people now to Edmonton. I'm like, why? Well, that, what do you think I do? I'm like, I didn't know, <laughs> but the, they were taking the film to the Edmonton film festival and they had to book flights and hotels and do all that stuff. There's a lot of moving pieces that they take care of. And, and it, so I, it really, I, they deserve more credit and they deserve a lot of grace um because they're just the wheels are just always spinning um speaking with the team from elevation just in their building i was there a few days and man they're just they're just always moving it's amazing to me that how many plates they've got spinning and and uh, so they deserve more credit <laughs> shout out to the publicist is a is a publicist gonna see this i don't know oh. But they, they, I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know what else I learned? Um, yeah, this is more of an observation, I guess. But like you mentioned, you saw the director just like walking, right? Uh, for the Nigerian one. I saw uh, uh, someone famous too. And it was in the Tissel light box. I had just seen Soft. And it was that night. So like a good like... 12, not 12, but like six hours later, uh, they were just walking around in the Tissell light box and no one knew who they were. And I was like, oh my God, I got to go talk to them. But I was in line for Knives Out, like I couldn't do it. Who was but it? It's the director and writer for Soft. Oh, he, you just saw them just hanging out in the hallway. Hanging out by himself. And he was just walking. He was like slowly walking out and no one noticed. And I was like, that's the, he's wearing the same clothes. I got to say something. <laughs> and I, didn't, but I was like, no one, there's no one noticing this. It's like, yeah, it was cool. But uh, also it kept, it made me think, oh, I got to keep an eye out for more famous people, I guess. Yeah. I thought I saw Malcolm McDowell, if you don't know who that is, but anyway, he, I, he, he's an actor. And, I was, and he was just standing there talking to people out on the street, and no one, people just, I just walked right past him, and I'm like, wait, wait, I know, I know who that is. I, I had this realization when I was watching the screening of like the Weird Al movie because the director came up, and I thought to myself, I thought, I'd have no idea who you were if they hadn't put you on stage. Yeah. Like, hey, you're the director, great, but all of a sudden you put him on stage, and it's like, I'd like to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> But you're right, they're just hanging out. Because why would you recognize the director of Soft? Um, you know? Uh, same with Michael Ward, who is in like Empire of Light, because he was in the menu movie and he was walking out. We saw him just walking out of the movie. And he walked right in the middle of a crowd. And I was like, Michael, but nobody moved. And I was like, it's Michael, it's Michael Ward. And he was just eating a burger and going down the street. That's fair. That's fair. Tiff, Tiff's wild. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I think we learned a lot. Um, just as before we wrap up, I would love to know, like maybe your 
your favorite film or two and maybe a favorite moment? My favorite film, we'll sit again. I've just been like standing over it for a while, for like since I saw it, but Bones of Crows was definitely my favorite. There's a story I think needed to be said, and I think it's something that actually should be shown or taught in schools, actually, uh, just like the history of residential schools and then what is currently going on in modern day with the church and what's been happening. And then especially now, it's very relevant with like the water crisis in a lot of indigenous communities and like the lack of funding that's still going on. Uh, but yeah, definitely needed to be said. Uh, I, I said this quote in my review. I think it's it's out. It got taken out, but it was basically genocide extra steps. Um, but no, I, I like that a lot. And then I, this wasn't my first choice, but Spogato was really good too. It's like about the gig economy in India. Uh, definitely need to be sad as well, especially if work is getting paid so little. And then uh, I highly recommend for all the viewers to watch Biosphere. It is really good. It's about so many amazing things about change and like this idea of fluidity with your personality, who you are, and it's sci fi. I recommend if you watch any movie, watch that movie, okay? <laughs> I mean, you're selling me on it, and I didn't see it. Uh, I heard your unfiltered review when you came out of it, so I, I, I'm intrigued by how far this pendulum is swung. So bio, Biosphere is your, your surprise pick? <laughs> I would say my favorite moment is in Biosphere. But <laughs> about halfway in the movie. You won't get it unless you watch the movie. But you'll know what scene I'm talking about if you're watching it. About halfway in, you'll love it. Wow. <laughs> okay. All right, Shay. Oh, favorite movies. I think I'm gonna list like a few of them. Just like Go ahead. Woman Talking is really good. Um, The Woman King is really good. I have to say, The King's Horseman is really good. I'm, I don't have to say it is really good, but I. <laughs> I'm shouting Are it out. Are you being paid by the King's Horseman? <laughs> the King's Horseman is really good. Um, oh, yeah, I think it's just those, those three. Oh, and Hunt. I loved Hunt a lot. Um, it's a Korean action film. It was surprised. Like, I'm not a big action fan, but I really enjoyed it being there. So it was really good. And my favorite moment, I think it was the interviews I did. I only did two. Um, but the, the discussions I had with both parties were really interesting for me. And I hope for them, too. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I loved? I loved that other than a few overlapping, we all saw very different films. Like, I think that that's so cool because we're coming and sharing these stories. Like, I mean, I, I Jason really loved Biosphere. He's been like talking it. about it nonstop since he saw it. Um, <laughs> But but I think it's 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 kind of neat that we've all I mean it's a massive festival so it's uh, if we all wanted to see the same things that'd be ridiculous but I think it's it's very cool. Um, my favorites, man, uh, I love the whale. I love the Fablemans. I know uh, JT sort of lukewarm on that one. I I didn't see the hype. I don't. I didn't. I didn't get it. But you're all up in biosphere. <laughs> That's really good. 
there's there's so many great scenes, especially towards the end. No, I like the fa- I like the Fablemans though because it was like Spielberg's telling mm-hmm. the story, and it's sort of like you know he's seventy seven years old, and I mean he's still making really great quality work, Would but it's sort of like I'm going to tell my own story while I got the chance. I just Would thought you- that was kind of cool. Yeah. Would you have liked it uh, if it wasn't based off his life? You asked me that before. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I would have liked it because I, I thought the film was great. But, I mean, there's something about it being him that I think adds to it. Um, I love Glass Onion. Uh, I love Bones of Crows. and I lo- You know what I loved? I loved How to Blow Up a Pipeline. that movie is that movie is excellent and it i i I was the last film i saw and it snuck into my top five Mm. because i was just like it's just it's just so well done like it's it's relatively simple it's a really effective thriller it's like a heist thriller um of a group of young people that want to uh well do what they say they blow up a pipeline um and you're learning their motivations. It's just really well, really well executed. It was good. The swearing jar was good. The whole bunch of I could. I'm gonna end up listing the whole thing. I'm not, but I mean, those were like my top movies. Um, my favorite moment. I, I said before. I I loved any chances that I got to spend with you guys sharing and sort of working out how the. I loved that. I felt it felt good for me to sort of pass that on. Um, I'd be kidding myself if I didn't say one of my favorite moments was sitting with Brendan Fraser and, uh, the writer director of the whale. That was just, that was really cool. What a great conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there were a lot of, there were, it was a very positive festival for me, but I think that was sort of the big, the big moment. Uh, I was really thrilled. We got into uh woman King yeah. <laughs> Because anytime you win at a rush line, it feels like a win. Um, like volunteers applauding you as you come down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you win the lottery. Right? You're like, oh, good for you. You did it. Because <laughs> that is a long lineup. And I, that, there were not a lot more people that got in after we did. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I saw the price when we came in for the rush line. I think it was $45. Yep. It was a premiere. That was more expensive than that. Uh, I don't know about the rush line price. I think it was $45. Like I saw it. I remember seeing it. It might have been. For a rush line? Well, they're they're still charging you the same amount. You're still going to the premiere. Um, But uh, if you rush line the the non-premiere... I think it's 25. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, no, that, yeah, it's, it's true. It's pricey. It's pricey. I thought that was insane because it was a rush, but then I guess if that's the same price you walk in as, that's not too bad. Cause it's still the premiere. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty standard, I think. Um, I mean, they can definitely charge that. Like, people will show up and, and go. But I, I just thought it was nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. 
You, you know what was one of my favorite moments? I, I will say this. And it's not going to be what it sounds like, but I just thought it was so, it was fun, was Harry Styles. And I don't care about seeing Harry Styles at all, but just to the experience the madness of people who did, <laughs> it was really kind of fun to be there for that. Um my friends are surprised I wasn't one of those. I'm surprised I wasn't one of those. But I think I've matured over the year, over the past year. <laughs> just, no one I, I, I've grown up. <laughs> <laughs> I invited you to join me. I yeah, but I had to go see a movie. So I just, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I put in a good word for you with him. And uh, I said to somebody, I said, they said, oh yeah, who's that? Who, who did you see? I said, oh, Prince Harry. They said he was there. I thought he would have been. At the... No, no, the, no. The oh, here the other one. <laughs> they were so confused. I just assumed it was his nickname. Anyway, um, but just to be just to be there in that moment, it made me laugh. <laughs> oh, anyway. Well, thank you all. Thank you both so much for all your hard work. I really do appreciate it. Uh, we had a great year. We had a lot of fun. Um, and now we're still, we're for you at home, you can go on the website and uh, check out our, check out our YouTube channel. You can check out the podcast. There are tons and tons and tons of, of interviews and reviews, uh, that are, that are still coming out. So please keep out, watch for that. We're wrapping that up over the next few days, but there's a lot of great coverage there for films like biosphere that you may be interested in finding out about um but uh i again thank you shay thank you jason and for you at home we started the conversation this was screenfish